Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D&D? This whole party. Down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. I'm down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D&D? Are you ready to get down with some D&D? I know I am, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by the mysterious uh, M- Mephluis and uh, Maverick, Mad Wizard Merwin, who's back from PAX East, or West, PAX West. I don't even know where I am, Chris. I've been on West Coast time for about two weeks, and I just got back very recently, and so I I don't know what day it is, what time it is, where I was, who I am. It must be I so do, quiet. I, I do know that I like D&D, though. Yeah, I mean, it must be so quiet for you, because you were, you were in the city that never sleeps for a while, too. Uh, Seattle doesn't sleep because of all the caffeine. Oh, I mean, I, I was I, thinking Vegas because of, you know, all the gambling and lights, but... Yes, I did go to Vegas after that, because that's a, that's a good life choice, right? You're in the middle of packs, so, so what do you do to relax? You go to Vegas. I mean, it could be a worse life, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, I, I guess. <laughs> it's good to well, be home. It's good to be home uh, in the in the quietness of, of uh, Western New York, right? Indeed. All right. So let's talk about PAX West since you were there. Tell me about it. Yeah, it's the first time I've been to PAX West. I've been to a couple of the other PAX shows, but PAX West is its own beast. Uh, it's large. It's chaotic. It's wonderful. It's spread out over about a dozen different hotels throughout the, the area. Uh, so, you, you know, you're, you're walking several blocks sometimes to get from one event to the next, but... For the most part, I had a wonderful time. My first time in Seattle, hiked up Mount Rainier um, beforehand, got to visit the Wizards of the Coast offices, which was awesome, and then got to uh, get into some gaming with with PAX West. Uh, I did a panel called From Green Flame to Phasers, Creating in Another's World. I I mislabeled that then. I said to lasers. My bad. (laughs) Close enough. You know, phasers, lasers. Uh, and so on the panel was Scott Gray, who does a great deal of editing and writing for Wizards of the Coast. Uh, Teos Abadia, of course, who, if you listen to the show, needs no introduction. Uh, Liz Spain, a creative genius from Lone Shark Games. Uh, and Kat Kruger, another creative person who does the podcast uh, stream show D20 Dames. And so we talked all about creating using other people's intellectual property whether it's creating games or creating other content. And if you want to hear that uh, panel, you can, because we got the audio from it from Teos, and we are hosting it on uh, Down With D&D. Yeah, you can totally listen to it. It's a really good conversation. I really enjoyed it. I played an AI-themed introductory adventure written by Bill Benham, uh, newly of Wizards of the Coast, which was a lot of fun. And I did for the first time in my life, even though I've worked on books uh, for the last 20 years, a book signing. They had everyone who wrote, edited, did art, layout, whatever, uh, for the Acquisitions Incorporated book. There were probably about 20 of us in total. And we did a big signing where people walked down through with their books or their boxes or their shirts or whatever, and we signed. And it was a totally cool thing to do for three hours i probably will never do it again but it was great to do it once was it really tough to sit there for three hours and sign books it, it felt like 10 minutes oh that's I neat be, i have to be honest um well i only it, asked because you said you'll you, 
said you would probably never do it again. Why? why no, I'm would... probably never do it again because that's not something that they normally do with D and D books. Oh, right. I mean, I don't know. I've seen I've seen people's I've seen D and D writers signing books at multiple conventions. I've seen them do it at Gen Con. I've seen them do it at um at Origins. Like, I don't think that's as as unique as you think it is, Sean. Uh, but not the freelancers. Not the freelancers. That's true. So yeah, it was something new and different. And a lot of fun. People are incredible. They, you know, we're, we're really enjoying the book. They were really appreciative of, of the work that we did. And it feels good to do that. So it was great to talk to people from around the world who uh, who were digging what we did. That's awesome. I mean, yeah. this must be so neat to just sit there for three hours and have people want your signature and to talk to you about the thing that you made. Yeah, I thanked everyone profusely for letting me deface their book without arresting me. <laughs> oh. So does, do you feel like you could just like walk into a game store now and like sign an AI book? You know, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. Then there would definitely be some arrests. Made Probably from, that's that's true. There's there's a little bit of a property damage there, I suppose. Not yeah. quite as much property damage as it seems, but you know. Yep. I wouldn't uh, want to attempt it. Let's put it that way. Yeah, that's neat though. That's so cool. It is cool. Um, is that all then from Pax West? Yeah, I mean, thank you to everybody who attended, um, who came and talked to me. And who, you know, I sat and played games with. Uh, good time. Um, I have one announcement before we get into uh, talking about the Unearthed Arcana of the Sorcerer and the Warlock that just came out. Um, starting September 30th on the Misdirected Mark Twitch channel, which there will be a new Twitch channel, there is going to be a new show called The FM Gamers. And um, it is a, an actual play live show, and it is going to be a cast of... Um, three players, a game master, and we have a producer that is actually running all the cameras and things like that. Um, it'll be a live play game, so like everybody that is playing will be in the room together. It'll be on um, Eastern Time from 7 p.m. till 9 p.m. on Monday evenings every other Monday, starting September 30th. Great. And the first game that we are playing is going to be 5th Edition D&D, which is why I mentioned that here. And we're uh, using a... Uh, Sort of mashup of uh, Spelljammer and the Expedition to the Barrier Peaks and uh, some ideas from Men in Black. It's called Spelljammed. Nice. So there you go. So tune in. Uh, seven to nine. I'll tell you more about it in the coming weeks as we get closer and closer. Looking forward to it. Uh, all right. So let's get into the Unearthed Arcana of the Sorcerer and the Warlock. Sean, do you want to lead us in? I would love to. So... If you go to the Wizards website, you will see in their Unearthed Arcana section that they have just recently put out a new um, a new pair of subclasses, as Chris mentioned. The first is the Aberrant Mind Sorcerer. So this sorcerer is influenced by alien uh, mojo, as if tentacles had been wrapped around you, warping your body and mind. Perhaps a psychic splinter lodged in your psyche after you were dominated by an aboleth, or maybe you were born somewhere tainted by the far realm. So you get the idea, you know, mind flayers and this ceramorphosis, uh, I can't say it, ceramorphosis. Ceramorphosis. Yeah. When your brain gets changed. Oh, is that what happens when the mind, when the, when the little tadpoles get into your yeah. brain and start changing you? Apparently. So this is a sorcerer that is not, like from Draconic Stock, not from Wild Magic, but from this strange Far Realm taint. And so as the subclass, uh, that's the, the feel behind it. 
So let's take a look real quick at the abilities that you get by taking this subclass. Sure. So let's talk about the um, the uh, the invasive thoughts. That's the first one, right? Mm-hmm. So you, I actually like this a lot. So what you can do is with a bonus action, you can magically create a telepathic link with one creature you can see within 30 feet of you. Mm-hmm. I love that. It's the... Um, it's the thing that I do in a lot of games, uh, especially when I'm running spy-type games or whatnot, especially when I'm running Eberron, because it's rife for that kind of stuff. It's like, I just give everybody a stone that they can, like, put in their ear or whatever that's, like, a sending stone, so, like, they have comms. But this, like, actually is just that, but yeah. with, you know, uh, mind magic. Yeah, and it's not overpowered. It's pretty flavorful. Uh, it fits the psychic nature of this uh, of this subclass, so it's all good. You know, the one thing I'd like to see is the range of it extend as you level up. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, when you're when you're like when you get to the level six or when you get to level fourteen, one of those, like, it also kind of bumps that up from like sixty feet to like you know a hundred feet, just a little farther. I don't know. Yeah, and it's the same thing that the great old one warlock subclass uh, gives at first level. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I feel like a lot of these things are very will will kind of be in the same vein because of the the theme. Yep, I I agree. Uh, so you also at first level get like part of a spell list, like some extra yep. spells to your sorcerer spell list, which is yep. that's pretty pretty typical. There's a bunch of warlock stuff like Hadar type stuff, right? Hunger of Hadar. Um, there's some there's a modified memory that's much much higher levels. Um, some other neat little neat little spells in that list. They're very flavorful, right? Yeah. Yep. They they fit very well the uh you know the the look and the feel for what they're going for which is what you want mm-hmm. and at also at first level you get warped being so you your body might have a coating of vicious viscous slime tough hide scales or an invisible psionic barrier whatever the form your protection takes your ac is 13 plus your dex modifier while you do not wear armor now, I'm. They've done this a few times. This is not, I don't think, typical to the original player's handbook, but I've seen it a few times where they are like, "You're gonna get this bonus. Um, flavor it any way you want. Right. Give it, give it your own. Give it the trappings that make sense for you. Right. And I'm very, I'm a big fan of that, like that yeah. idea. Like, yep. here's the mechanic. Here's the idea behind it. You choose. Yeah. Tell tell your story. Mm-hmm. You know, describe your character. Um, so yeah, so flavor flavor wise, very good, um, fun, yes, and it's not overpowered because it's the same thing that dr- the Draconic Bloodline Sorcerer gets um, with their scales at first level. Mm-hmm. So uh, the only thing that they remind you, which is good to to do, is that when you are told a way to figure your armor class, you must choose that way if you have other ways of doing it. Let's so say yeah. you multiclassed as a monk, you couldn't add, also add your uh, wisdom modifier. So if you were a multi-class monk, uh, aberrant mind, uh, warlock, you could either be thirteen plus your dex or ten plus dex plus wisdom. You yeah, not both. not both. Yep. And so, yep, good. They they've learned a lesson after a few additions, and uh, so it's all good there. Yeah, I mean, they, they've, through all, <laughs> try that again, throughout the life of this edition so far, I feel like they've done the best job that they can at keeping the stacking mm-hmm. 
as minimal as possible. Yes. Now, that being said, I've played in some AL games that I was running where, you know, people do show up with, like, you know, characters that have AC-25. Yeah, I mean, if, if there is a way to abuse it, players will find a way to abuse it. But at least at this base level, they, they are taking care of business in terms of not allowing overpowered combinations. Mm-hmm. Doing the best they can, right? Yep. All right, uh, let's talk about 6th level. So, Psionic Sorcery. So, at 6th level, you can cast any of the spells gained from your Psionic spell feature uh, by expending a spell slot as normal or by spending a number of sorcery points equal to the spell's level. Uh, and if you do that, it doesn't require components. Not that many of us play with components. I mean, I, I prefer using components or things that cost more than, you know, 50 or 100 gold pieces. True. And I, I, you know, I would have to look at the list to see what the... Um, components are? What the components are for those particular spells, but I, I doubt that there are any of them that are too expensive. Yeah, I would imagine not. Yep. So, yay. All good. Um, the, it's... It's not much different than what a sorcerer can already do, mm-hmm. which is turn sorcery points into spell slots. But it's cheaper if you do this, and, and a little more flexible. Yeah. So it's just driving you to spend your spell points on those spells instead of on other things. Yep. Which, because since you know you're that kind of sorcerer, it makes it a little easier to use those spells. It makes sense. It's it's right what you just said. It's not overpowered. It's kind of in the same line of what sorcerers do, but it drives you towards using these spells more often. True. Um, psychic defenses at 6th level. So, also, it's uh, you get resistance to psychic damage, and you have its advantage in saving throws against being charmed or frightened. Yes. And this is a little bit more powerful than the Draconic Bloodline. Um, the Draconic Bloodline is, if you cast a spell, like you fire spell, then you can, for an hour, um, use a sorcery point to gain resistance to fire damage. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is more permanent, and it doesn't force you to do something to get it, and it adds in this um, advantage. So it's a little more powerful. I, I like psychic damage. As a DM, I like that psychic damage is very hard to resist for most people. Um, so part of me, the DM part of me, says, oh, please don't don't give you know resistance to psychic damage but yeah it's okay yeah it's just resistance it's not immunity or anything like that true um and it makes sense for the class it is uh i i agree with you i think it's more powerful i'm trying to figure out why they did it that way if they just are having it if they have a dif- just a different idea for what the sorcerer power skill should be at this point because yeah. the elemental affinity like you said it's um you can spend a sorcery point to gain resistance of, of your damage type for an hour. I mean, it also lets you uh, kick in your charisma modifier to one damage roll of that spell, but it's not really that much for a sorcerer. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it was for all the damage rolls of a spell, then it becomes a much different thing. But it's not. So, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't get the, I don't get the. Sh- I mean, I don't know where the power scale is for that stuff right now. I'm not sure what what they're leaning on, but it's not that big a difference. No, I mean it's not terrible. It's just something I I noticed. Yeah, I mean you're you're not wrong. It's totally yeah. there. Yeah. Um, so tell me about Revelation and Flesh. So at 14th level, you can unleash the aberrant truth hidden within your flesh. Uh, as a bonus action, you can spend one or more sorcery points to magically transform your body for one minute, um, and then they give you a list of choices of what you can transform your body into which basically does one of four things. If you choose the, the one, it gives you a swim speed. 
If you choose the second, it gives you a fly speed. If you choose the third, you you kind of turn into you can turn into a slimy creature that can get through cracks, kind of like an ooze uh, from from the monster manual. And the fourth choice lets you grow tentacles that can detect invisible or hidden creatures. So at 14th level, I'm a okay with that. Yeah, I think it's in line in a lot of ways with the. I mean, if we're going to use the dragon one as the comparison with the dragon wings, because the dragon wings is persistent, yep. not not and uh, it only lasts for like a turn as, with a bonus action. Right. Oh no, they actually last until you no. dismiss them as a bonus action on your right. turn. I mean, you, it basically lasts forever. Yeah, it lasts forever. So you just have dragon wings, so it's persistent. Um, this one is yep. more flexible, right? Right. It's more flexible. You can swim. You can creep through small areas. You can detect creatures. So. It's good. I like it. It's not overpowered, but it has that fun and it has that flavor that that matches what they're going for. So I like it. Yeah, I mean, I keep wondering if it is more powerful. It feels a little more powerful because of its flexibility. Although it's for a sorcery point, so yep. Yep. that's that's why it's point. it's yep. a resource. Yep. At fourteenth level, you're going to have quite a few, though. I think so. that's that's true. Yeah. It's uh, and then and then at eighteenth, you get to warp reality. So mm-hmm. you get to become the focal point of this real- reality warping anomaly. So it costs you an action, and then you can magically radiate a transparent 20-foot radius for a, a minute. Uh, it could be a sphere that ripples out, whatever you want it to be, really. Um, once again, cr- create as you will. Uh, the other creatures, it's it's difficult terrain for them. It deals 2d10 psychic damage. Uh, you can choose any number of creatures to be unaffected by the aura, and then you can, as a bonus action, end the aura early. Yep. And uh, when you do, when you do end it, yep, you can choose yourself uh, and any number of creatures to teleport to a location you can see within one mile. So it's it's a you end this and it becomes a big teleport spell uh, that can take you any place you can see within one mile of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if an unwilling creature is in that aura and you try to take them, they get a uh, charisma saving throw to not be teleported. And it, you can use it once per long rest. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think it's, that's neat, right? Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I, I mean, it's, it's cool. It's, it's it's an 18th level ability. Like, it, yeah. it can be pretty powerful. It's fine. Yeah. yeah, that's all good. No no complaints here. Uh, So let's talk about, I mean, what do you think of that one overall? I think it's, I think it's good. I, I really like it. Um, You, you know, it may be a, just a twinge more powerful than some of the other ones that are out there, but not to the point where I think there's much to complain about. Um, it fits well with the other ones, you know, on the scale of, is it fun? Is it flavorful? And is it balanced? I think it ticks all three boxes. I think it's very fun. Uh, some of the things you can do definitely very flavorful. It fits this, you know, far realm sort of contamination, uh, perfectly. And balance-wise, I think it's it's pretty much right on. So, yep. I mean, I think it's just as rife for story, too, as, like, the Draconic one. I always find yeah. the, the Draconic one to be very rife with story because, you know, you have a Draconic blood in you. This one, same deal, right? right. You got your power from something otherworldly. Yep, and with all of the things that let you, fla- let you flavor it any way you want, um, for the, you know, role-player, you know, character, storytelling aspect of it, it's it's perfect. Yeah, and if your DM is good about stuff like like that, like aside from tying that into the story that is being told at the table, um, if it causes you problems or if it's a thing that comes up often enough, like that can be one of the ways that you get yourself inspiration. Mm-hmm. True. 
Assuming that you, your game master, dungeon master, is, is down with playing that way. Yep. Uh, let's talk about the Lurker in the Deep patron, which... It's interesting because they went with... I mean, it's it's... I mean, it's not the old one, right? This is different. Right. It's it's if you are steeped in kind of this Cthulhu Cthulian um, mythos, you you see that there's already the great old one there, right? That's yeah. Cthulhu. And so this is how are they going to make this different? Is is the question that should come to mind? Well, I think the thing, and you wrote it in there. Um, it's the thing I was thinking, like. If you're into this kind of stuff, like I would hope that this one's as different as Cthulhu is from Dagon, like right. as is the the like what are the like this this is are the is this uh, deep ones versus whatever the Cthulian horrors are, right? Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, yeah. There you go. So th- that's what I'm looking for when I look at this one. Yep, and you know, based on that criteria, I think they do a pretty good job. I think that's it's. I think it's tough. That that's a tough line to walk between those two and i think they do a good job because they make this lurker in the deep um patron tied to tied more to the elemental plane of water and the strange strangeness of the deep Mm -hmm. than than this outer uh you know outer realm this far realm so the lurker in the deep patron you've made a pact with something that lurks deep in the ocean whether it's the elemental plane of water or a kraken, or some ancient primordial, or some monstrous being from creation's earliest days. Um, so you serve this patron uh, in the world while it is locked or lost under the under the sea. Yeah, I'm very interested in the idea of you know the kraken, right? Yeah, oh, sure. it op- opens it up to a warlock in in a in a very piratey setting, right? Like you can then skin it towards pirate. Or, you know, yeah. if you want to skin it towards Dagon, you can do that, too. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it can go a lot of different directions. You could go a sea god. You could go, like you said, a kraken. You could go the, the abolith route as well. Um, you know, any, any of those sorts of underwater, mysterious creatures. Um, mechanically, the first thing that you get at first level is the lurker in the deep feature of the expanded spell list. Um, so again, just like any other uh, any other warlock, you will get some bonus spells, and it's all water-based stuff, right? It's create, destroy water, gust of wind, silence, you know, cold or or water-based, and nothing outrageous there. No, I'm, I keep trying to understand, um, like the cone of cold and the silence, why they're on that list. Like I, I don't, um, the, all the rest of them, I kind of can understand. Well, I underwater just, I was... is silent. That's what I was thinking too, but like sound travels underwater pretty effectively. I always thought. I mean, you can't understand it, right? I, yeah, I mean, it's. I, I I get it. Yeah, I I understand that. The silence of the deep dark. Yeah, well, well, I understand why they did it, and I understand why it's not perfect, but probably it was the best choice. I'm sure, right? Like you, I mean, there were some some ones that in the um, in the sorcerer one that threw me for a little bit of a loop too. So I mean, anyway. the, those are hard, right? Like they're always they're not always easy to to set them up. Yep. Um. So let's talk about that lurker the deep feature because this is pretty powerful, actually. And you mentioned it, and I when I read it, I also thought the same thing. So the idea is that as a bonus action, you can create a spectral tentacle that's ten foot feet long 
at a point that you can see within 60 feet of you. So this thing will last for a minute or until you use this feature to create another tentacle. And you can use it to make a melee attack against a creature within 10 feet of it. And when you hit someone with it, they take a D8 of cold or lightning damage, your choice. And that creature's speed is reduced by 10 feet until the start of your next turn. Uh, this increases to 2d8 at 10th level. Um, and then as a bonus action on your turn, you can move the tentacle up to 30 feet and repeat the attack. Mm-hmm. And you can use it a number of times per day equal to your charisma modifier. And then yep. you get all the stuff back when you make a take a long rest. Yeah. So, as Chris said, that's called Grasp of the Deep. It's something that a first level uh, warlock with this patron can do. You know, assuming your charisma is 16 at first level, just that's how it's going to end up most of the time. You can use it three times before you take a long rest. Uh, at first level, most adventuring days are going to be not much more than three battles. So use it once per battle, maybe, averages out to. So it's cool. I, I think this, when I, when I play the movie of this in my mind, it's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, very flavorful. It fits perfectly this sort of the deep and this, you know, the tentacles and being grasped and all of that very, very well. But boy, is that beefy for a first level ability. Yeah. I mean, it's a, so let's talk about what you can do as a warlock in the early levels at this point then. So you can throw an Eldritch Blast and have this thing up and attacking people every round. Yes. Uh, yeah. And you don't have to concentrate on it. Yeah, that's that's why I was like, as it, that's your bonus action, your standard action every round is you beat on something with this, and then you blast somebody with an eldritch blast, and then you run away. Yes, and it uh, it's basically a spiritual weapon spell. Yeah, except it's, it's better. It, it's not a, right. So it's a second level spell, spiritual weapon. This is something that you can do at first level as as a as a warlock. Um, but it's even better than a spiritual weapon. And, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty good. So I have no problem with this being really good, assuming that a lot of the other stuff in the class isn't as good. True, true. So let's continue on and see. Mm-hmm. So um, let's talk about the Sign of the Deep, then. Why don't you tell me about it? I will. At first level, your patron accepts you into its inner court of servitors. You can telepathically communicate with any aberration, beast, elemental, or monstrosity that has an innate swim speed while it is within 120 feet of you. The creature can understand you and can respond telepathically. Okay, cool. I mean, it's, it's again, it's one of these things that just faci- it helps facilitate play. Yeah. And that's what I like. It, it, it takes a barrier that is normally there and removes it. Anytime you can take a monster um, that would normally just be a combat encounter and open it up to having interaction, then you've done a good thing, in my opinion. Exactly. I'm right there with you. So all cool with this. Um, Fun, yes. Flavorful, absolutely. Balanced, yes. Okay, so let's talk about Guardian Grasp. Or no, Fathomless Soul. Sorry. Uh, Take your time here, Chris. Yeah. Do this justice, right? I know, Um, right? So it's next level. You have Fathomless Soul, as Chris said. Um, so it, you gain the following benefits. You can breathe both air and water. You gain a swim speed equal to your walking speed. And you gain resistance to cold damage. Pretty pretty, pretty powerful for 6th level, but I'm all good. I'm all good. It, it's flavorful enough to, 
to warrant the power. Yeah, it's um, and it's only useful for sw- for being underwater for the most part, aside from the resistance to cold damage. Right, right. I mean, that and resistance to cold damage is is good. But yeah, it, it's, it's good, it's, but it's it's less situational even than some other resistances would be. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's really good if you're in the Arctic North or you know down in the deeps. <laughs> yeah. Um. So at okay. sixth level, this is the one I think we really want to talk about. The Guardian Grasp. Yeah. I, I'm comparing as we're doing this, like, and I've, I've been doing it before. I'm like comparing this to some of the other ones, like mm-hmm. the, like, especially from the original, like the, uh, the, the fiend, right? Like this is, this is beyond better than the fiend, man. The fiend is not nearly as good as this. Yeah. This now we're starting to get a overpowered and be a little fiddly. And you'll see what I mean when I tell you that at sixth level, that tentacle that you can create starting at first level can now defend you and your allies. So when you are a creature that you can see takes damage while within 10 feet of that tentacle that you've created, you can use your reaction to choose one of those creatures and reduce the damage uh, of that, cre- that, that that creature takes by half. Uh, but when you do so, the tentacle vanishes. And, you know, I, again, I dig the, the, the fun and I dig the flavor. But now we're getting very fiddly. You know, yeah. Now we're getting... It's harder to run theater of the mind when you have to know exactly where this tentacle is, who is exactly is near it. Uh, it's it's just this one more thing to take care of. The the class now plays better when you're using um, miniatures on a grid. Yep. Or even relative positioning. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, you can still play it theater of the mind, no problem. Um, right. you, just, you just have to... The, the game master has to be pretty, the dungeon master has to be pretty uh, flexible with their thoughts, right? Like, right. like eh, that tentacle's probably close enough. You can totally make that damage go away by half, and then the te- tentacle vanishes. Yep. Like, not and... not so big, not such a big deal. Um, It is a little fiddly, though, and it gives more utility to that tentacle. Yeah. I mean, the only saving grace at all with it is that it vanishes when you do this. So, there, you you know, now you you can't use it every round of Obviously, if you spawn it again, then then it's there. But um, you know that's a, that's a saving grace for it. It's what what I don't like about it, and it's really not it's not bad design. It's not terrible design. But what I hate about it is the latency. Right? Yeah, I'm with you. Like it it creates another option, right? And and not only does it create an option, but it creates an option where it almost asks to be min maxed. Right, it almost asks to be, well, how much damage does it do? Oh, it does twenty-two points of damage. Hmm. Let me think. I could do, you know, eleven points of damage with it for three rounds in a row, that it will still remain. So you know, and it it, it calls into question this whole metagame behind it, that can really slow things down. And I would rather have it be quick, um, you know, have it be. Have it do something that doesn't call in to question all this math behind it. You know, have it have it give a disadvantage on the attack, but you have to choose beforehand, um, and it doesn't go away. You know, something like that, something that's quicker. I would prefer. I uh, I don't necessarily disagree with you. Um, I'll just play devil's advocate for a yeah, second because because why not? Sure. Uh, the warlock itself doesn't have all that many options mm-hmm. as a character class. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. So um, giving them the options here seems like it creates, uh, it, it makes this class a little more complex than it normally is, but it's not as complex as the Sorcerer or the Wizard still, even with this thing. And it gives them that cool thing that they can play with. Like, ooh, I got my pet tentacle that can do stuff. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. So... Yeah, I mean, part of this is my, my own, just my own bias. Yeah, my sure. My own preferences. Um, but, yeah, you're absolutely right. It it This is something that definitely does not need to be fixed. Uh, I'm just thinking in terms of quicker, less complicated games... You know, that's where my reaction is coming from. Mm-hmm. I, I, like I said, I, I don't necessarily disagree with you. I just, I wanted to give the devil's, the devil's yeah. advocate point of view. No, I uh, could definitely see somebody loving this. Yeah, it would be fun for me to play, but I don't, I don't take very long to make those choices, right? Like, I'm just going to do a thing and live with the consequences instead right. of trying to math it out. Right. Uh, the, you know what the biggest problem I have with the, this class is when I compare it to the other warlock subclasses, I'm like, this is so much better. I would always play this one other than other ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that, that is a problem you have to look out for. Now, if if they're like, well, our original our original warlock builds weren't that great, and we wanted to do something better, then we f- we yeah. feel like they're just not worth worth anything. Then I can understand that too. But they never really wanted to invalidate the stuff that they did before. Yeah. So, I uh, I mean that's that's just a thing to think about. Uh, let's talk about Devouring Maw, which is the 10th level Lurker in the Deep feature. Yes. So, do you, want me to, do you want me to do this one? You do this one. All right. So you can draw forth a manifestation of your pa- patron's insatiable hunger. So it takes an action, and then you pick a point within 60 feet of you, and then for a minute you get this translucent maw that pops up in a 10-foot radius centered on that point. And then anything, any creature around there when the maw appears, it has to succeed on a strength saving throw, against your spell DC or uh, be restrained. So that's, that's really good. <laughs> um, let's, and let's, there's more, but wait, there's more. Any creature that starts its turn in the Maws area takes three, six cold or lightning damage, your choice when it takes the damage. Um, then as an action, a restrained creature can try to repeat the saving throw. So it costs them their action to try to get out. Mm-hmm. So one, they're restrained Two, they have to use their action to get out of there. Um, and at the start of your turn, if there's a, but wait, there's even more. <laughs> if there's a creature in the Maw's area, you gain temporary hit points equal to your warlock level. Mm-hmm. So at least 10 temporary hit points. At least 10 temporary hit points. Mm-hmm. That's a really powerful ability. Yep. And you can do it for every short or long rest. Uh, so cool. Yes. Uh, flavorful. Absolutely fun to play. I'm sure it would be. Uh, but now I can use my action to create that maw. Then as a bonus action, I can use my tentacle in the same area or worse yet, in different areas. Um, so again, you're just you're putting one more thing on the map to keep track of. And at this point, the the, the warlock's not even casting spells, right? They're no, just, why, why would they? Right, so, so they're just doing this. Um, it's not a lot of damage, but the restrained is huge. Right? Because, very, very much. Because you're giving everyone else in your party uh, advantage now to attack the creature that is uh, restrained. So, yeah, it's it's pretty beefy. Now, let me compare that to um, to the tenth level one from the uh, the great old one, mm-hmm. which is Thought Shield. So you can 
Your thoughts can't be read by telepathy or other means unless you allow it. You also have resistance to psychic damage. Um, <laughs> sorry. And whenever a creature deals psychic damage to you, that creature takes the same amount of damage that you do. That's not nearly as fun or cool. Or as powerful, right. in my opinion. Right, right. In, in every way, this is so much better. Uh, better in terms of fun and flavor, yes. But well, also better in terms of you know, power. Yeah, because, I mean, the Thought Shield, while it's persistent constantly, uh, it's situational. Mm-hmm. This is, you get to choose when it happens. To me, that'll always trump, um, that'll almost always trump situational. Mm-hmm. So, there you go. Uh... Like I said, I wonder if they're trying to power up the Warlock Pact. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's a very plausible, possible thing. Yeah. Uh, unleash the Depths. So that's the 14th level one. So you can control... Call upon your patron for aid. So once again, as an action, you choose a point within 30 feet of you where your patron tears through reality. Okay. I like when that happens. <laughs> yeah, me too. I really do. I feel like that could just go poorly. Uh... So, and then you choose an effect from that manifestation point. Um, and once you use that effect, you can't use this feature again until you finish a long rest. So you can transport, uh, you, or you can fury. So transport is you and five willing creatures can, uh, within 30 feet can, of the manifestation point, are grasped by spectral tentacles and yanked through the pa- to your patron's realm. And they cho- transport you to a point of your choice within 100 miles that you have visited in the past 24 hours. So that's a teleport, right? Yeah, it's a pretty, yeah, it's... At 14th level, teleport at will, basically. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, once per lot less. Yeah. So uh, the Fury one is, like, you direct a barrage of spectral tentacles uh, to strike up to five creatures you can see within 30 feet of the manifestation. Each one gets to make a dexterity saving throw. On a failed save, they take 60, 10 colder lightning damage and are knocked prone. And then on a successful save, it takes half as much damage and is not knocked prone. So it's like a 10th level fireball, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not upset about this in any way. I think it's pretty cool, fun, flavorful, uh, all of the above. Since it's not persistent, right? Since it's not a tentacle that stays there or a maw that stays there, it's something that it just you do it, it happens. Yeah, that one's less bad. I mean, not less bad. That one's that one's. But I just like that one, right? It's it's a you get one of two options and you do a thing. Right, you do the thing. It's done. Um, I think it's kind of in line power-wise with some of the other, like, 14th level ones. Yep. So, like, the one from the uh, the the uh, the great old one is Create Thrall. Mm-hmm. So you can touch an incapacitated humanoid and then they're charmed until a removed curse spell is cast on it. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a persistent charm spell, right? right? That is that is someone that is going to be your friend and try to help you for until, they're, until the curse is removed. So, I mean, that is a... I feel like those two things are pretty even. Yeah. I mean, the, the fiend is hurl through hell, yeah. uh, which is uh, you, you target one creature. It takes 10 D 10 psychic damage. So, you know, it's the hurl through hell is less, um, less useful in different situations, but it does a heck of a lot of damage um, to one creature. Yeah. It's a single target um, yep. damaging attack. Uh, I feel like, yeah, once again, though, like, it's still not, it's not as flexible as that one, and it's not overall, really, in my opinion, as powerful as that one. Yeah, yep, 
because I mean, with with the Fury, you can do um, up to five creatures, six d ten. So technically, that's you know thirty d ten of damage. Well, not only that, even if it's just one creature, you can drop six d ten on that one creature, or if you need to, you have the flexibility to teleport instead. Right. Right, and it knocks it prone. And yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, like, it's still just not as uh, not as good. I mean, the hurl through hell is just not as good. All right, that's all I have to say about that. Um, there's a there's a spell that also is associated with this stuff. Yep, Mind Sliver. So it's a cantrip where you drive a disorienting spike of psychic energy into the mind of one creature you can see within range, which is 60 feet. It needs to make an intelligent saving throw, which most creatures will fail. Uh, if, if it is unsuccessful on its saving throw, it takes 1d6 psychic damage. And the first time it makes a saving throw before the end of your next turn, it must roll a d4 and subtract that number from its save. Uh, not, uh, it makes perfect sense in the realm of what we're talking about here in the far realm uh, sort of flavor. I'm not a huge fan of effects that mess with saving throws, uh, and just in general, because I think saving throws are hard enough to make, especially for monsters um, at any level. And uh, but. You know, at, at high levels, getting a monster to first fail this and then follow it up on your next turn with some sort of save or die or save or wish you were dead sort of spell that's already at a DC 20, you know, if you're at really super high levels, then you're already, you know, subtracting a D4 is, is just more punishment for something that doesn't need to be punished, so... It's okay. I'm uh, not a huge fan of of the the messing with saving throws, though. I think it's I think it's funny because if if I'm using this against high level monsters, or if I'm running the high level monster that has legendary saves, right. I'm just gonna automatically choose to to fail. Like I'm just gonna fail this one because yep. it's not that much damage. And then when they hit me with the next one, I'm, I'm gonna try to make my saving throw. And when I fail, I'm just gonna be like, yeah, legendary save. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's you know, it's uh, high levels is stupid, and but I just I just bring it up because. When I look at spells like this, I try to see it for every possible use. Right? Yeah, I mean that's totally a use that would happen. I mean, yeah. those there's some interesting combos that can occur from it. But I'm, I'm with you. Like I'm not really a, I'm not a huge fan of this one. Yeah, it, it's a cantrip. It's it's hard to make cantrips that are not too powerful that are interesting. And this does a, as good a job as any of being interesting. Um, if it wasn't for that. Subtract the D4 from the save, I would be like, okay, cool, yeah. Why not? Well, how would you fix it? Um, the next attack that hits uh, before the start of your next turn does a D4 psychic damage. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm down with that. Um, yeah, something like that. Just because a saving throw can be, it can be uh, just not nothing, or it can be these save or die um, sorts of things that that mean so much mm -hmm. that that I don't like. I said it's just a personal thing. I don't like messing with saving throws. Uh, so I don't yeah. like it. For, I don't like it for the latency factor. Yeah, yeah. Like I, then you have to trying remember. to remember that I'm supposed to right. roll that d4. Yeah. Right. I would it totally is. put it on the on the spellcaster. Like yeah, and, and that's why it's that's why I like to move the onus from the the DM to the player, right? Mm -hmm. Players will remember to roll the extra d4 um, because that's doing more damage. D4 
DMs have a harder time remembering to roll the D4 to subtract because they're keeping track of 12 different things. Mm-hmm. So that's that's why I like to move the onus to offensive and to the player rather than, than this sort of defensive and to the DM. Yeah, instead of the, like, going, yeah, keeping the debuffs off is yes. essentially what we're talking about, right? Yep, yep. Uh, all right, well, that's uh, that's the, what do you think of that one overall? Uh, no, I don't like it as much as I like the other. I still like it. Uh, I still think it's super flavorful. I really like the the fun factor and the flavor factor. Um, could use a maybe, like, you were just comparing it to the other uh, warlock patrons could use a little bit of a balance, I think. Um, and the latency factor, I think, is, is a little strong. But, you know, that's, that's it. Yeah. I don't hate it. I think it just could use a little tweaking. As far as D&D goes, I can, I can forgive the latency factor. There is some amount of latency that comes with, uh, with certain kinds of levels of play of D&D, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we got no problem with that, and I think the Warlock is one of the lower latency classes anyway. Right. So adding a little bit to that isn't, in my opinion, that big of a deal. Uh, I would play this this uh, class, this I subclass. I would love it. It would be great. But I'm also a big fan of things like, like Dagon and the Kraken and things like that. So um, it would be a lot of fun for me. Um, also, the stuff that's inside of it, like it plays well to the kind of play style that I enjoy. Yeah, and, and overall, I'm super stoked that we're seeing new class uh subclass things again because we had the barbarian and the monk last time right Mm -hmm. and you know the the feel on those was interesting and so we're getting kind of this outer realm sort of feel for from everything we're seeing so far yeah there's a much more magical bring stuff in from outside feel going on here right yeah so that hope maybe that's a clue for what they're working on yeah and we, we neither of us have any idea for once well, we've been going for a long time on this topic, so I think we should just get out. And next time we get together, we'll talk more about Acquisitions Incorporated. I like that idea. All right. Well, let's do some Patreon shoutouts then. So, uh, the old school DM, the Mad Wizard himself, Sean Merwin, who patrons the show for some reason. I don't understand. Well, he patrons all the shows, so, yeah, it's That's nice right. of you. Thanks, Sean. Uh, Troy Sandlin, Will Doyle, Zach Goins, Chris Constantine, Cindy Moore, Eric Mengi, Eric Simon, Miko Froelich, Andrew Dempsey, of E. Waxberg, Brett, just Brett, Chris Steele. I'm, I'm not, I can't do it as well as Phil can. Sorry, everybody. Uh, Curtis Y. Takahashi, Daniel Thomas, Dennis Malloy, Evil Rich, J. David Chrisman, and J.T. Evans. And speaking of patrons, if you'd like to be a patron of Down with D&D, you can click on the link to our Patreon page on the website and for a paltry $2 a month, believe me, I spend more on that on my coffee at, um, at least twice a week, you can get yourself a shout out. Or for $4 a month, because I don't drink coffee, you can also get... Uh our pre-production show notes and access to our slack room where you can chat with us for just those four dollars a month and you yeah. also get the shout out that chris just did mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know if you can't help us monetarily but you want to give us a boost you can do so with a review or a share or anything on like apple podcast reviews or twitter or facebook any of those places yeah we love to hear about you on the public airs yeah we'd love to hear you talking about us in the public airs too and even we sometimes respond Sean, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Sean Merwin, or you can go to our new forums, forums.misdirectedmark.com, and you can find me there where we can chat about D&D. Do you know, Sean, people actually come to those forums and talk to us because I've been talking back to them? And if I hadn't been out of the out of my mind for the last two weeks, 
and also away from home, I would have been on there too, but I will be there tomorrow. You know, we had a, a, a fairly interesting discussion, just for an example, Sean, about uh, that, that episode when we talked about getting rid of ability scores. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah, people, people uh, some people, at least one person, was not super thrilled with that. <laughs> really? Well, I'm going to have to go on and straighten that person out. I was also doing my best to be like, well, I mean, I can't, if that's your preference, I can't really tell you that your preference is incorrect, but like, that's an old technology that may not be the thing anymore. All right. Well, uh, you can catch me, by the way, on the Internet at the light 101. That is my Twitter handle. Um, or you can just go to at misdirected mark on Twitter. That is the network. And this show, like we don't really use the down with D&D one anymore. So just go at misdirected mark if you want to talk to us. We, I generally check it. Um, or you can just, you know, catch Sean at Chalmer one. Or you can just go to the website, leave a comment there or, you know, listen to other great shows such as The Lounge, where Doc Palindrome, who is one of the cast members of the new upcoming FM Gamer show, he gets the best, the brightest and the most fun game designers, sits down with them and has very cool, naturally flowing conversations. You never really know what kind of chat you're going to get when you go and listen to The Lounge. Mm, down with D&D is a misdirected Mark production. The media arm of Encoded Designs. So, Mr. Mad Wizard Merwin, what are we going to do now? We are going to kill some strange and bizarre far realm characters. Yes! You're down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. You're down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. You're down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. You're down with D&D. You're down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. You're down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. I'm down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D&D?